This is the Everyday Mind Podcast, the place where we come together to talk about living a life of notice, creating more connected relationships, and ditching the hustle as you establish the life and business you've always wanted. I'm Naftali Roberts, your host and guide, as we journey together exploring the everyday mind. Are you ready? Let's go. Today's guest is a yoga teacher, a self-care advocate, a lover of storytelling, mom of two, obsessive about avocados, and brings so much of herself to the podcast today. I so enjoyed myself in my interview with Naomi Gottlieb Miller, and I can't wait for you all to hear about her journey to rewrite her story and pass that new story onto her children through everyday and practical mindfulness, which she lives out for her family, her online community, and now for you all in today's interview. So grab a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a glass of wine, and let's head on in to my interview with Naomi. Hey, Naomi, welcome to the Everyday Mind. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Before we get into all the things, I was wondering if you would tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, who your people are, and just what is your day-to-day life like? Yeah, so that's such a big question, (laughs) you know, like, who am I? So, you know what I mean? Find all of yourself right now in three simple words. It's easy, right? (laughs) It's totally easy. I do it all the time. So my name's Naomi. I am a mom of two kids. I am a yoga teacher. I've been teaching yoga for 14 years now, almost 15 years, which is pretty wild. And uh, I am passionate about self-care. So self-care in a lot of ways has really defined not only my personal life, I feel like my mission as, as a human being, as a mom in the past, you know, I would say six years, you know, since my daughter was born. And so like a lot of what I do revolves around empowering myself, but also my fellow moms to take better care of themselves, you know, to learn how to prioritize their own needs again, you know, to remember who they are again after becoming moms and to really help them in that way using self-care and using mindfulness and using, you know, the idea of getting to know yourself better as a way to rewrite the story of what healthy motherhood feels like. So that's, that's what I do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's just that. You just take on overwhelm and out of your own body. And I mean, it's not a big kind of thing to fight against at all. Like, I mean, you probably have lots of extra time, right? Oh yeah, totally. I've, I've loads. Well, actually, you know, it's really funny that you say that because I used to be that mom who, and that person, not just that mom. I mean, this has always been my thing. Like I'm a very type A, very driven, very just like go, go, go kind of a person. And that didn't stop when I became a mom. I have to say, like, you know, when I became a mom, I I very much thought I'll just slide motherhood into what I've been doing and it will work and it will be fine. And of course it totally didn't, you know, (laughs) 
but I still tried, you know, like I still tried, you know, I would say a good like two years. It took me a year into motherhood to figure some things out, but it took me, you know, a good two years to really finally start to say to myself, you don't need to do all the things, you know, you don't need to do everything. And I still struggle with that. Like I, you know, just because it's in my nature it's still really hard for me to ask for help. It's still really hard for me to say, oh, no, it's okay. You can take care of that instead of saying like, I'll take care of that. It's just, it's a hard thing, right? So that's, Mm -hmm. it's something that I work on personally, but it's also something that because it's so close to me, it's something that I feel passionate about sharing Mm -hmm. and teaching. Because I think that, I think a lot of moms are, are like that. You know, we have a lot of trouble saying, no, it's okay. You take care of that. It'll be fine. You know, like I'll just... I'll take a break. I'll rest. I'll, you know, like go for a walk or, you know, even this morning when I was sick, I, you know, like I woke up, you know, with a headache and I never get sick. I mean, it's, it's just not something that happens. And, you know, it's my husband's day off. It's his Saturday today. And this is not a Saturday, Saturday for those who are listening. It's a Monday, <laughs> but it's his Saturday. And I needed to say to him, cause our daughter wasn't waking up. She needed to go to school and I needed to lie down again. Like I just couldn't I had tried, you know, I'd been awake and I said to him, I was like, I need you to help me. Can you help me? Are you going to be able to get her out to the bus? And even then it wasn't like, can you finish getting her lunch ready? Can you help her with the breakfast? I still did those things because I felt bad asking them, even though I was sick and you know what I mean? So I think Mm -hmm. like it's always that push and pull of being able to give it over and take on what feels appropriate. Always a struggle. Yeah. I love that you say that because one of the questions that I normally ask everyone, but you went ahead and answered before I even got there was, <laughs> what would people not believe or maybe not think would be in your mind or your beliefs or your thought patterns being a self-care advocate, being a yoga instructor? Oh, yeah. And I love that you just listed off all the things that all of us, whether we're men or women or entrepreneurs or creatives, I think it's very easy for those thoughts to live inside of us. And they they are the narrative we expect. We expect mm-hmm. to be overwhelmed. And so when we are, we're not surprised, but also we don't look to change it. So I'm curious, you've been doing yoga for a long time. But something that I noticed in your story, that doesn't mean that you didn't have all those thoughts. It didn't mean that you tried to live at a pace that wasn't working for you. So talk to me about this journey to really kind of tuning into what real self-care was for you and starting to walk towards it. Yeah. So that's such a good question. And and I actually really love telling this story because I think you know, very much like what you said, people have ideas about who yoga teachers are or, you know, self-care at, like I call myself a self-care advocate a lot of the time, you know, because I just, I like that conceptually and self-care coach feels weird. Like it just feels like a weird thing to say, but people have this perception about yoga teachers that we're like super laid back and like, we're really chill and like, you know, we just, you know, go with the flow and let things come at us. And that's definitely not true for me. It's not true for a lot of the yoga teachers I know, to be honest. But at the same time, I think, you know, part of why we gravitate to yoga, people like me, is that we sort of want a little hit of it. You know, we, we want to get a taste <laughs> of that and to see what it's like. And hitting and, the calm. I like that yeah. visual. Yeah, like just a little just, hit of calm. Just, just a little hit of calm. I think there's it's like not, a... It's not a permanent thing. <laughs> I think there's a social media post somewhere in that sure coffee. 
I'm sure there is. There's something. There are hashtags. There are all kinds of things. But it, you know, but it's totally true. And I came to yoga when I was 18. Like mm-hmm. I started practicing yoga when I was 18 or 19 and living in New York. And I had gone to New York for school, but I wasn't really doing what I wanted. And I was kind of stressed out and I was really unhappy. And my parents suggested that I go to yoga. And I was like, my parents, I'm not going to stupid. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, you know, it's just like, why would I take their advice? You but have very hip parents. My parents are pretty awesome. Um, my parents are pretty great, actually. Um, and my dad has been meditating since the 70s and, uh, and still does and practices Tai Chi still like mm-hmm. every day. And my mom is, is pretty badass too in a lot of different ways. But yeah, but you know, eventually I listened and I started doing yoga and, you know, I loved it and I practiced it and it really did give me a little bit of that hit of calm, a little bit of that sense of self. Like I actually, what it was more is that I felt like I was finally tapping into like some kind of inner reserve that I didn't know was there, you know, mm-hmm. like a part of myself mm-hmm. that I didn't know was there and you know, I was struggling with eating disorders at the time. I was struggling with all kinds of nasty self-perception, like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I finally found a teacher that I loved, I remember being in a class on my belly and I could feel my heart beat through my chest on the floor. And I could feel in that moment, I was like, I'm not well. I'm not taking care of, like, I'm not okay. I'm not eating enough. I'm not sleeping enough. Mm -hmm. I'm making really bad decisions. And I, I need to change some things. And it was literally just being in that class that gave me that access to a deeper connection with myself. And I can't say that in that moment, everything changed, you know, like I can't say that like I went home and I was like, okay, I'm going to stop these terrible patterns that I've been in for a long time Mm -hmm. today. Right. Like that's not, no, of course you weren't. (laughs) I think it's easy to believe that. Yeah. But of course you couldn't because there was yeah. so much deeply rooted in you, yeah. but awareness was your first yes. small step. Yeah. And that's what I say to people about yoga all the time is that, you know, and so from there, you know, after, and I'll, I'll get back to that thought, I promise. But after that, after a couple of years in the yoga community in New York, I realized this has given me such powerful access to myself and it has started to give me the ability to heal myself. Like I would never actually say that yoga healed me. It just gave me the tools to figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. So that I was able to create that healing for myself and move forward for myself. Um, And still, it was like a years long process, you know, like I still had ups and downs and all of that. But Mm -hmm. eventually I said to myself after a couple of years of of yoga, I was like, I want to be able to share this with other people. So I did my teacher training, you know, my first Mm -hmm. teacher training, and I moved, you know, from New York back to the DC area where my parents lived because 20, how old was I? I was 23 (laughs) at the time. Wow, a Um, baby. Yeah, I was 23 and I knew that I was about to turn 24, but that's still baby, (laughs) baby, baby. (laughs) It is. So I was like, I couldn't afford the teacher training. And I also knew that I didn't want to keep bartending in New York. I knew that I didn't want to keep doing that. So I was like, I'm just going to move back home, live with my parents, which is not necessarily, it wasn't really what I wanted to do, but I Mm -hmm. knew that it would be the best place for me to start. And and so I moved back in with them and I started my teacher training and I started working at the yoga studio and very quickly started teaching Mm because I had teachers there who believed in me. And so I started teaching a lot, you know, and like flash forward many years later, you know, I mean, I'm 37 now, you know, so I've, I've been teaching for 14 years and about to turn 38. I mean, this has been 
this massive part of my life. But it still, it took me until having my daughter to really change everything. So what I say to most people about yoga, this is the thought that I'll get back to. And then I'll talk about the self-care piece that you asked about. Just jumping around all over the place. Keep jumping. So keep, just can keep jumping. So what I say to people all the time about yoga is that yoga is not really just about like touching your toes or getting your leg behind your head or like some crazy business like that. People come to yoga for those reasons sometimes mm-hmm. because, you know, I mean, people come to yoga because they feel stiff and tired and they, they want to be able to touch their toes again mm-hmm. or they're in pain and they want mm-hmm. to be free of pain and they know that yoga might be able to help, right? Like that's the, the ideology mm-hmm. around yoga. But what really happens when you go to yoga, particularly if you have a good teacher, particularly if you are not just going to a class that's like beating you up every time and like mm-hmm. you know, wearing you out and like putting you through the ringer, but like a teacher who's really, you know, talking about and incorporating themes of the world into mm-hmm. the class. Yeah. You know, is that when you go to a yoga class, it's really about having a deeper conversation with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like the whole idea is, can I get to know myself better so that I can engage in the world in a more conscious way? Mm-hmm. Right. So the, the better I know myself, the more I can engage in the world. Right. If I don't know myself very well, like when I'm engaging in the world, it's going to be like a little bit off. It's mm-hmm. not going to be very authentic. It's going to be kind of all over the place and a little disconnected. But if I'm plugged in, if I'm continuing that conversation with myself, if I keep asking myself questions, if I keep really just tapping into a, a deeper awareness, you know, mm-hmm. and just revisiting that conversation, then you know, the way that I engage in the world is much more, it's more informed, you know, it's, it's definitely more connected. It's more powerful. It's because it's more present. So it was like the journey that you've gone on was like, first you had to notice, you had to have an awareness. And yeah. then through the processes of yoga and other things, I'm sure you started asking questions and that yeah. asking questions of yourself and of your body, your pace, your priorities, that doesn't end. That just keeps going, right? And that's that circling back to the beginning where you said, well, it's not like I've reached this place where I don't have any of these questions anymore. I don't have any of these fears. It's not hard for me to ask for help. But what you've built in is an awareness and an ability to ask yourself questions that I think before you start this journey may feel weird and you don't know what to do or what to ask. But that, that is that mindful journey is learning what questions to ask. So yeah. that being said, what questions do you ask on a daily basis and how do you actually do this? How do you actually practice mindfulness in your day-to-day life? You have two kids, you run a business, you have lots of things going on. So what kind of ways or paces or you know paths have you taken to do that? So... The primary question that I ask myself every day is, how are you feeling? Mm. And what do you need? Mm. And I ask those questions, again, these are questions, it's taken me a long time. It, you know, the first year of motherhood was really hard. I didn't ask myself those questions. It was always, there were no questions. (laughs) There were a lot of questions in the first year of motherhood, but it was much more like, okay, I need to survive, you know, or it wasn't so much connected to me as it was just like getting through every day. Because you have to ask yourself questions like, what does that color poop mean? I mean, I'm sorry for any of you that don't have kids, just ignore that part. But for anyone that has kids, you'll remember there's always that, huh, I don't know what that means. Should I be scared? I don't know. Yeah. 
you know, or especially in the first year of life. I mean, I was really fortunate in that like both of my kids were pretty healthy. Like my mm-hmm. kids have never had ear infections, but in that first year, you can't really do much for them, you know? So like mm-hmm. they start coughing and it's like, okay, well just keep them warm, you know, <laughs> let them sleep. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's literally like you just have to ride it out and it's really scary and really hard. And, you know, like I said, we were really fortunate in that we didn't, have to deal with most of that, but there were other issues, you know, with my daughter, Mm -hmm. like she was born very, very small and she didn't nurse easily. And, Mm -hmm. you know, she had some funky heart stuff that has all resolved since, but it was just weird stuff that we were like, what do we do? You know? So yeah, like Mm -hmm. for first year of motherhood, I wasn't really asking questions about myself. It was more like, how do I manage these weird motherhood things that I know nothing about? Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure not even like, how do I manage my self-doubt, but just how do I like source the answers and then probably let myself feel all the overwhelm, self-hatred, all of the things that we can feel whenever we transition in life. So for those of you that are listening and don't have kids, remember that this journey is similar. Like if you change your job or if you move or if you have a loss in your life, or even if you just have to get a different brand of socks sometimes. <laughs> Transitions are hard and they impact us. And being mindful, aware as to how they're impacting us, what they're bringing up in us, and then choosing whether we're going to react to those things. That's practical everyday mindfulness. Right. And so that's like that is totally, you know, it's like, it can be anything. So Mm -hmm. these questions that I ask myself, because I base them on this, right? Self-care gets a lot of definitions, you know, Mm -hmm. about what it is. Mm -hmm. But my personal definition of self-care is really basic. Self-care is listening Mm -hmm. to your body, to your mind, to your heart, and then actually tending to it. So you can do that first part and be like, I hear you body, but I don't really care. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like, which I definitely did a lot of at various points in my life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and what I'm, so the questions that I ask now, like are really these questions of, okay, how are you feeling today? What yeah. do you need? Mm-hmm. You know? And also then after like asking those questions, then saying to myself today, for example, when like I'm on day three of this really annoying headache and where I had a lot of stuff that I needed to do this morning saying, you know what, I just can't do these things and it sucks, but I can't feel badly about it. And I can't, get upset about it. I just have to take care of myself, Mm -hmm. you know? And the Naomi from 10 years ago would have been like, no, I'm not going to rest. I would have like dragged myself out of bed to the computer. You know, I would have like forced myself into a yoga practice. I would have pushed, pushed, pushed. Mm -hmm. And instead it's become, you know, more and more as I get older and the deeper I get into motherhood, it's more like, nope, I'm going to listen. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do what my body is asking for, because if I'm not doing that, that's not going to benefit me. And it's not mindful. That's for sure. Ignoring your needs. You can hear them, right? Mm -hmm. But if you ignore them, that's, it's like, why bother? Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because then that transfers over into how we talk to our kids about things. Something that I'm always interested in hearing from others, as well as just talking about in my own journey is how you kind of mindfully be aware of like how you talk about things. So like I try never to tell my kids I need coffee. I say I want it. I never want my kids to believe that coffee is something that you need in order to function. No, I love coffee and it's actually very grounding for me. So there's nothing wrong with me drinking it. 
But I try to always say mommy wants a coffee right now, not mommy needs it. It's a small thing, but it impacts it because then too, they keep learning the difference between need and want and start applying it to their own minds and their own bodies. So I was curious, what ways do you walk that out with your kids? Well, so I really believe that language matters, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very much. I think there's a massive difference between need and want. And I do that with my kids a little bit too. You know, I feel like with my kids, a lot of it has to do with, from a mindfulness perspective, what we do a lot of is connecting in, like if they're getting like really worked up about something, you know, like, so one of the things that I'll often say is it's okay to be angry. You are totally allowed to be angry. If I get angry about something, like it's okay for mommy to be angry. Mommy doesn't get to do that though. So like mommy made a mistake. Like I should not have yelled or or, like I shouldn't have, I mean, I, there are so many things that mommy should not have done in that book, you know, but you know, usually it's saying like, you're allowed to feel those things. It's totally okay. That doesn't mean that you get to hit your brother though, you know, or that doesn't mean that being angry doesn't make it okay to take your anger out on another person. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it doesn't mean that you get to do that. So like I do that when I make mistakes with them. I'm, you know, pretty good about apologizing or acknowledging when I've done something that's not necessarily like, yeah, I mean, I think there's like a spectrum of wrongness, you know, mm-hmm. like I don't, I don't necessarily, like, I don't even necessarily think that yelling is wrong. I think there are circumstances where like it, it's necessary mm-hmm. and it's okay. But, you know, like that said, mm-hmm. I also think there are times where it's not, and it's not helpful, you know, whether it's me yelling or my kids yelling or whoever. So, so what we try to do is knowledge, like it's okay to feel those things in this moment, like that action might not be the most appropriate. You know, we understand why you're feeling this, but that's not appropriate. We also do a lot of breathing. Mm -hmm. So one of the first things that, that I've ever taught my kids, I need you to take like, so I use the word calm. Mm-hmm. There are some like parenting coaches that really hate that, the idea of calming down. I sort of look at it as like, I want them to have a touchstone word. So if I say to them, be calm, mm-hmm. you know, or, or find your calm or whatever it is where like, I can say to them, just give yourself a little minute, you know, like be calm mm-hmm. and they you know, okay, I'm going to take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. Yeah. Right? They understand that's what that means. So I so. think it's interesting. In my other world, I'm a therapist and I work a lot with children and teens. And so I have a perspective, not only as a parent myself, but kind of as a mental health professional in that area. And I think the thing that you do differently in that, that is really important to note is that you define calm for your kids in a holistic way, as opposed to the word you say when they're just out of control. I think mm-hmm. too many of us grew up with maybe parents or grandparents or teachers that said, calm down. And that was very shame-based and labeling. Mm-hmm. Whereas how you're just describing it is so beautiful. And we do similar things in our family as well, because language, to circle back to it again, is important. And you have defined calm differently than maybe some of those other parent coaches might be talking about. So I love what you're doing. So keep going. (laughs) It works pretty well for them. It doesn't work every time, but it, but yeah, I mean, at least they have an understanding of what it means, you know, Mm -hmm. that it's not, you're not allowed to feel that. It's just, Hey, give yourself a minute. Mommy needs to do this too. Like if I get worked up, like let's both take a deep breath together. Like let's, See if we can find our way back. Well, and I think I'm going to touch on one last thing and then kind of 
move towards wrapping up, but I think even for us as adults, recognizing the emotions that certain labels or words carry with them. Mm -hmm. So I know for me, I can't speak to myself in terms of calm because it does, and I'm working on the underlying stuff there, but it does still carry with it a lot of shame because for me, not being calm was a idea of me not being enough as a child. So like, because I was not the calm kid in our family, therefore these things were true of me. I feared maybe I was unlovable, not because anything my parents did, but just kind of the pace that we kept. And I'm what I term as the emotional black sheep of the family. And so it just was, it's nothing bad that they did. But because of that, I had to create different words. Mm-hmm. Aligned for me works better. On purpose for me works better because I don't carry emotional baggage with it. Calm mm-hmm. isn't bad. So I think for anybody listening today, I want you to notice your reaction to certain words. And if they carry too much weight to start out with, then replace them. Maybe I will talk about a word or Naomi or any of our other guests and you'll go, ugh, the word carries weight and we can explore what that weight is later. But just know that most words can be switched out for other things. So yeah. So we've talked about so many awesome things. First, I want you to tell people if they want to hang out with you more and know more about what you do, tell them where they can go. And then I'm going to ask you one kind of wrap up mindful question for the day. Awesome. Okay. So people can find me pretty easily all over the internet. So you can find me at my website at ConsciousHealthyMama.com. And uh, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram also like at ConsciousHealthyMama. Like that's Mm -hmm. easy to find in those places. If you want to do yoga with me online, I have a free YouTube channel that is the only place where it's not Conscious Healthy Mama, actually, but it's just my name. So if you look up Naomi Gottlieb Miller, you will find on YouTube, not just, you know, anywhere, but if you look it up on YouTube, you'll find my, my YouTube channel. I drop a live, I keep saying live, like it's a thing. No. Okay. So you drop a video. I drop a video. I have language and how to use it. Most of the time I drop a new video every Monday that is not live. It's recorded, but usually the videos are between five and 15 minutes long. So they're really easy for people to just add into their lives. They're intended for all levels. So they're not, you know, necessarily super hard and yeah. And they're, they're pretty fun. And, uh, and I like them. And they're, like I said, they're for everybody. So there's classes for the full spectrum of what people want to do. So. I love that. I actually didn't know about your YouTube component. So now I'm going to go check that out. And we will have the links to all those places in the show notes. So if you're like, oh, I don't have a piece of paper right now, definitely just go to the show notes at naftaliroberts.com. On the podcast part, um, look up whatever this episode in- number ends up being. Who knows, but it'll be up when you look at the podcast, you'll be able to tell. Okay, so Naomi, and depending if this is a hard question to answer for today, think about yesterday too. But what did you learn today in life? What did I learn today? So I learned two things. Mm -hmm. First, I learned that sometimes I don't have a choice in terms of what my body needs and I have Mm -hmm. to give what my body needs to my body. (laughs) 
But I also learned that hugs are magical. And um, so earlier today, I was, I had, I did go live today because I had to reschedule like for my, I have an online yoga studio also. And uh, I did an online class and I had to cut it short. And I was really frustrated. Like some guy in my neighborhood was doing yard work and it was so loud that I had to stop and I felt badly about it anyway. So I came back inside and I was really frustrated and I was like sniffling and like my head hurt. And my son looks at me and he's like, mommy, do you need something? And I was like, yeah, I really need a hug. And he was like, oh, I can do that. And he like runs across the room at me and just gives me this massive hug. And <laughs> and he was like, do you feel better now? And I was like, yeah, I feel like 150% better now. Like mm-hmm. headache gone, frustration gone. I'm good. Everything is fine. So it's like that moment where, yeah, sometimes like it's the simple things. Mm-hmm. Hugs are magic. You totally skipped ahead and answered my second question. Who did you actively <laughs> love? You're reading my mind all day long. I try. It's a thing. Okay. And then third, <laughs> what made you laugh? Oh, it made me laugh today. Or yesterday. Yeah, I have to think about that. So, I mean, my kids regularly make me laugh, but I have been pretty out of it. But before I got on this interview, my husband and my son were playing lightsabers Mm-hmm. And my, we have this puppet, it's a koala and some, and I don't know why I think because the puppet came from a friend of my husband's who's Australian, but he was speaking with the koala puppet in an Australian accent and they were fighting with lightsabers. And it was just sort of hilarious because, you know, it was this totally ridiculous thing that just kind of happened like lightsaber fight in my living room. And uh, I love watching them play. Like they have a really special relationship. And uh, yeah, that definitely made me laugh. Also, because my, my, my son was like, hey, let's trade lightsabers and then just like stabbed, you know, with like this plastic lightsaber, but like stabbed my husband like, in the throat kind of, and was like, ha, <laughs> you know, just got him. And that was sort of hilarious. Um, not mm. like in an evil way, but in a really cute, like, oh, you got me kind of a, so yeah. Yeah. And I love, Everything. love, love, love that even in the midst of being sick, you can kind of access those things and notice. And that's one of the benefits of being mindful is that your brain is learning to look for those things even when you're not feeling super great. So it's a super thing. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. Like I said before, everything will be in the show notes. So definitely check that out. Also, if you're looking to hang out with an authentic group of people who be talking about how to be intentional and how to practice really effective and on-purpose self-care, definitely go over to the On Purpose Life and Business Facebook community. It's where I love hanging out and it's where we can all take this journey together. Have a great day. Let's chat soon. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Mind. Here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of the episode you just listened to, head on over to Instagram stories and share there all about why you've been loving the Everyday Mind podcast. Tag me, Naftali V. Roberts, and share so that more people can continue to grow their life of notice so they can build the life and business they've always wanted. If you really love me, please head and leave a rating and review so that more people can continue to hear and get encouraged and the tips and tricks to grow a life of notice and build that business on purpose. 
Have a great day, and I'll talk to you all soon.